0: Mikey and Rin Stay In. Oh, yeah. Hi, guys. Welcome to Mikey and Rin Stay In. I'm Mikey. And I'm Rin. And we are back with another Mikey and Rin Stay interview in episode. We have a really <laughs> awesome interview lined up today.
1: Yes. This interview is super exciting because um, this is my office mate and somebody whom um, I met not that long ago, but have uh, just grown to really admire. And um, Admittedly, I've wanted to ask Kimberly to be on the podcast before. Kimberly, you don't know this, but I've been wanting to ask you to be on the podcast, but Kimberly has possibly the busiest life of anyone on the planet um, as you guys will hear all of the things that she does. Um, And so I've just been hesitant to ask her. (laughs) I finally just decided, you know what, what's the worst she can say? She'll say, "Uh, no bitch, I'm busy. (laughs) So so, um, Kimberly has very graciously agreed to be on the podcast and I'm a huge fan. I know Mikey's going to be a huge fan and I think all of our listeners will be too so um i am going to hand the microphone over to kimberly and let her introduce herself um and then we'll we've got some great questions and great combos and we're really looking forward to learning more
2: so kimberly take it away so thank you Mikey and corinne for inviting me um i am kimberly so I, um, I am a um, full circle doula. So I provide um, physical and emotional support for families. I've been a doula since 2014. I'm also a mental health therapist. Um, I've been a mental health therapist for about 28 years now. Um, I'm also a childbirth educator. Um, Let us see. I'm also a professor, an adjunct professor at PSU, so I teach Introduction to Infantile Mental Health. Um, I'm just a lot of my background is really in early childhood and um, mental health therapy. Mm. Um, I have lived here in Portland. Well, I've actually been in Oregon for 10 years now, so um, that's kind of been most of my work here in. Um, in Oregon has been revolving around early childhood, working with parents, parent education in different, in different capacities, um, mm. like I said, as a doula. As a child with educator, I do have some lactation um, experience as well. Mm. Um, and a background in social work. And then also, like I said, a mental health therapist. Um, those are primarily kind of my roles that I kind of participate in currently. That's
0: amazing. What, what is the thing, like, do you kind of divide your time equally or is there something that <laughs> that, uh, that 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 you spend most of your time doing out of those professions?
2: Well, I am a, um, a mental health, a community-based mental health therapist currently mm. in child and family services. Yeah. So that's where I spend the bulk of my time, um, you know, now um, because I am a therapist and I carry a caseload of, you know, families and kids between the ages of birth all the way up to 18. Wow. Um, But I also have my own consulting business. So that's Kimberly Porter Consulting. And that falls also under my child and family therapy experience. But then also I provide um, culturally specific clinical supervision and supervision to um, Mm. African-Americans. A lot of my work has really been around um, because as you know, Uh, Portland is one of the whitest cities in America. Yeah. (laughs) So I have come in from a um, more diverse place in Michigan where I've really um, promoted diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. So every space that I enter here since I've been in Portland has really been to make sure that there's representation, uh, particularly of African Americans. Mm. So I serve on, I think I serve on three boards right now. So I am the vice president of the Portland Dual Association. I'm also the um, Diverse and equity and inclusion board chair of the Oregon Infant Mental Health Association. Um, And so, and I'm also, I forgot, I'm also the um, diversity and equity and inclusion board chair on the Oregon Dual Association. Mm -hmm. So most of those roles have really been to create, like I said, more of a diverse workforce Mm -hmm. um, and also kind of serve as a template and a model for, what diversity can look like, Um, and also considering, you know, a lot of Oregon, a lot of Portland is predominantly white, to be able to have a a um, cross-racial, cross-cultural dialogue amongst um, people in these particular disciplines um, around um, issues relevant to Um, more marginalized communities.
0: Yeah. How do you feel like your mission and message has been received in Portland? I mean, yeah, Portland is, it's definitely the whitest city that I've ever ever lived in. Um, And it's, I mean, city of size. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, how do you feel like your how do you feel like things are accepted or how do you feel like Portland's doing with inclusion?
2: I think, um, I think there's, I've seen progress. Mm. Um, all the spaces that I kind of just talked about I've entered have not been with resistance but I also haven't been one to wait to be invited to the table either mm. um, I made sure that um, you know I mean, I've navigated through those spaces I mean I have a lot I I'm, mean I'm, you know, I'm very academic so I have degrees you know two master's degrees bachelor's degrees and stuff like that so I've predominantly been educated in um, I guess you consider predominantly white institutions mm. so coming to Portland um, wasn't a challenge for me to be able to navigate white spaces. Yeah, um, I think my challenge has been to be able to encourage people of color to enter white spaces. Mm. Um, so that's kind of been my role as a vehicle or like a mentor or a coach or a guinea pig, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. to be able to enter these spaces. Um, so I've been welcomed um, to be able to come into these spaces and to show um that, there, that you can have diversity and that you can have a, a diverse voice. because I think it makes better for each and every one of those disciplines that I talked about as being a doula, being a, um, an educator, an adjunct professor at PSU, there needs to be more diversity when we talk about, you know, future leaders, future educators, you know, the learning environment in general. Mm. So for me, I think I haven't received any resistance and I, and I live in Beaverton, I've lived in Beaverton for 10 years. Um, I mean, you know, there's some everyday challenges and things like that. But for me, I feel like I have been, um, I guess, maybe shelter from any of that stuff. But I've also been very mm. honest and vocal about the need for diversity. So it hasn't been like where I've been quiet about mm. the issue. I've been very vocal mm. about the need for diversity. So I feel like I've been um, received well and I, I feel, feel, feel pretty good.
1: Yeah. Kimberly, can you talk more about, um, your work with doulas of color? Cause I, you know, on this podcast, we're obviously talk a lot about our baby journey and, um, and then, you know, we've had some people on that have talked about their birth journey. Um, and I'd love to hear about, um, well, maybe, maybe give us just a little background on what a doula is, because we've talked about it a little bit on the show, but mm-hmm. haven't really gotten deep into what a doula can actually support. Um, and, then, and then also just your work with doulas of color and the importance of that um,
2: in the birth world. Okay. So first, a doula is a non-medical professional. So we provide emotional and physical support for couples or, you know, single parents, but couples from pregnancy, from preconception, all the way up to postpartum care. So um, that means that we can go into the hospital. You know, there's a lot of our clients have their, a lot of most people have their babies in the hospital. Uh, We support uh, clients at the birth center. At home births wherever they decide that they want to have a have a baby so we support them in making sure that they're properly educated about what's going to happen um you know what are some of the things that are going on throughout their pregnancy so um, i would be considered what you call a community-based doula mm. uh, which is a full circle doula so i am a labor doula and also a postpartum doula so i support mm. families throughout their entire pregnancy actually i'm the doula that um, a lot of families call when they Get the pee stick when they know that they're pregnant. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> I work with families very early on. Um, um, I think historically, particularly here in Portland, and most doulas that are um, not of color, most white doulas, they are they, they meet with families at 37 weeks. So they mm. have a great relationship with those families and um, but for me and the reason why I mean because I am a full circle duel the reason why I was trained like that is because like I guess I became a duel in 2014 I received three different training um, kind of training programs so I initially was trained by South African duelists. so there was two duels that came from South Africa and we were trained culturally realist, realistically um, rituals Um, We were given a name. Um, So it's very, you know, very embedded in our African culture. So that's how I was initially trained as a doula. And then I was trained um, at the International Center for Traditional Childbearing, which is here in Portland, Oregon, which Mm. um, is culture specific. So I was able to to learn how to be a full circle doula in mm-hmm. um, that way. Like I said, a labor doula and postpartum doula. And then I also received my training at Way College at Midwivery as a postpartum doula. Uh-huh. So the reason why I decided to be a doula, because I had never, honestly, I had never heard of what a doula was until I came to to Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I have, you know, two kids, 24-year-old son and a 15-year-old daughter, had a really good birth experience, went through the ma's classes didn't have any complications whatsoever. Both mm. of my kids were vaginal births, um, none of no complications whatsoever. and mm. when I came to Oregon, um, I will say probably seven years in, no, yeah, probably about six years in, I came across more information about the birth experience for African-American women. Mm looked at the health disparities, the pregnancy and birth outcome disparities in the Black community. Mm-hmm. Um, African American women are three to four times higher um, to have a complicated pregnancy than white women. Mm-hmm. And now because of COVID-19, they're four to five times higher. Um, wow. so they're exposed to more uh, complications throughout their pregnancy, like high blood pressure, diabetes, preeclampsia, racism, which is a mm-hmm.
3: stressor,
2: um, mm-hmm. which increases their cortisol level, which is a stressor. Um, So that was one of the reasons why I decided to be a doula. Um, At that time, I was working at the Black Parent Initiative. I was a director there uh, running their programs, and I decided that I wanted to become a doula. I created a doula program uh, while I was there, um, and so that's kind of how I came into the work. Um and so, like I say, a full circle doula is able to be able to work with African well, not just African American but in this particular case for me, I had a mission in, in to to do to res- to reduce some of these disparities
3: mm-hmm.
2: um so I work with like I said early on to be able to um support families um throughout their pregnancy. To provide childbirth education as to, you know, if you do have high blood pressure, if you do have diabetes, if you're, you know, dealing with poverty or if you're dealing with all these other environmental stressors, we know that's going to compromise your pregnancy. Mm. Um, so, a lot of these women were single parents, had other children, you know, maybe undereducated, underemployed, a lot of various issues. Um, but I want to say this is that even though it appears as though the disparities in the African-American community is just related to race. It is not. It is all women, all African-American women, no matter if they live out here in Beaverton and have a bachelor's degree or PhD, they have the same um, outcomes as somebody that doesn't have that Mm -hmm. because of all the other stressors that come along with it. So that was kind of my reason for becoming a doula um, and to also, like I said before, to diversify the profession. So that's why I created the Sacred Roots Program. It provided labor postpartum services. So we work, like I said, go to the hospital, go to the prenatal visits, support families, make sure they understand, you know, what type of medication they should, should take and how to take care of themselves. We would be there for the entire um, labor and delivery. And then we also support the families postpartum um, to make sure to encourage breastfeeding, because we know that's a great thing for babies in terms mm-hmm. of their neurological development. Um, And then also support the moms because that first year is critical for African-American babies as well um, because of the infant mortality rate. So we would really celebrate, I mean, everyone celebrates their child's first birthday, but in the African-American community, because of the disparities, it's, it's, it's a big celebration to be able to still have your child after a year.
0: Yeah. Oh that's amazing. Do you have a do you have a sense of how many um doulas are doing what you're doing around the country? I mean, how many doulas that there are that are working with communities of color or black families?
2: I think it's building. I don't know the exact numbers. Yeah. We're, we're all over. There's a National Black Doula Association. Awesome. Um that just kind of started a couple years ago. Um so yeah, that whole community-based doula model where you're working with families early on and you're addressing um, all the stressors yeah. and the complications and also supporting families, um, throughout is, 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 a big, um, it's a thing. I mean, it's, yeah, it's true, mm. you know, but Oregon, um, I would say, has taken the lead in terms of really professionalizing the doula the doula uh, work here in um, Portland, but I, mm-hmm. like I said, it's been predominantly a white profession. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, I, because of the disparities, I felt like there needed to be, you know, more diversity and have that cultural match between the doula and the family. So I've seen a lot of success here in Portland. Um, I've been able to uh, secure funding to be able to train more doulas. And that, that's the that's thing I forgot. I knew I forgot something.
0: <laughs> your your resume is extensive. I, I don't know. know how you have to like, write it on my arm or something.
2: Yeah, that was, I was like, there's something that, so basically, I've received contracts from, um, some insurance companies here in Oregon, where um, they've given us funding to be able to assist in that effort and that initiative to diversify the profession. So I currently um, teach uh, dual business uh, a business class for duals of color. So there's a target group of Native Americans, Indigenous, Latina, Latinx, and African and African Americans. So I teach. I've been doing this since we, have two cohorts have finished the first one, um, working on the second one, and so this is an opportunity for doulas of color to learn skills so they can start their own doula business and they also, you know, be available for families that want to have a cultural match between them and their families.
0: Uh, wow. So, basically, with your career, you could literally work with uh, a, a human from like basically, when they're conceived all the way through, like, <laughs> yes. like you're like, Yeah, I'm gonna work with your mom, I'm gonna work with you as a baby, then I'm gonna work with you uh, in a mental health setting. And yeah. like, so you can just see someone all the way through their formative years.
2: Yeah, yeah. pretty much. That's I love I've, that. I've gone to great lengths to diversify my, I guess you could say, my work resume. And so, yes, I have experience in working with people all the way to the time they come into the world So they kind of ease on out of the world, honestly. Mm. So, yeah, I prefer that early childhood barf to six um, yeah i think that's a great time i love kids when they're five like that's my favorite i wish my daughter would have stayed five forever. <laughs> yeah
0: we we have a. Uh, our neighbor is is she five she's four yeah, she's yeah. four yeah i know that i think that's the time when like i look at kids kiddos are getting like their sense of humor and they're still like super weird and like imaginative and yeah. i don't know i love it
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um can you? Because you know, my dealings with insurance companies are, you know, personally, and then also as a provider, um, billing insurance, and and it always feels uh, like a slog and sort of stressful, and like I don't have all the answers that I need. I'm so curious about your because it's Health Share of Oregon, right? That you partnered with. Yes. Um, yeah. Can you talk more about how you came up with, I want to hear a lot. I want want to hear about how you came up with the doula training program and then what, how you approached an insurance company and thought, you know, I want to partner with them. Um, and, and also why, why you did that, why you felt like partnering with a insurance company would be a good idea for the, for the training.
2: Well, back in 2011, there was a push for doulas to get reimbursed through, through Medicaid. Oh, a lot of, so that's kind of where it came from because a lot of the clients, especially if you're serving communities of color, a lot of them are receiving Medicaid benefits. Mm. And so when I was working at the Black Parent Initiative, like I said, um, that was culture specific. So all of the families that I worked with were African or African American. And so that was kind of how that came into play so honestly i didn't reach out to them they actually reached out to us because they knew the work that we were doing got it so um it kind of was that and then you know there was there's just a lot of conversation back in 2014 2015 around how to address um health inequities And so one of the ones was around pregnancy and birth. And so that was a big conversation and it still is. It's kind of focused more now into early childhood, early childhood equity initiatives um, to address the issues needed when kids are, once they enter um, school. So there's a lot of kindergarten readiness efforts and things like that. But this effort was really to address a public health issue, which to me is black babies not making it and maternal mortality rates. Um, so that's kind of how we initially. But I was like doing the work uh, by myself, and you know, kind of juggle. Like I, I, I juggle a lot, uh, a lot of things, and so um, that was kind of how it happened. I was just kind of doing my own thing. I was building up my birth, building up my birth experience. I brought it to the Black Parent Initiative. I was already doing that, and then I said, you know, we need to have a culture-specific, community-based doula model, so we can serve more people. And if I can serve, you know. 10 to 15 by myself, then imagine if we get funding from some sort of funder, we could be able to to help more people Mm -hmm. and also diversify the profession. So that's kind of how I got into it. And so when I left um, the bike parent initiative in September, that's when I was approached by HealthShare. And like we've really been watching your work and we've seen that you have a lot of good outcomes and statistics. And so we want to be able to invest. It was kind of an investment in doulas. Mm-hmm. And so because I'm on the Oregon Dual Association, because I'm on the Portland Dual Association, because I, you know, was a director at BPI, it was kind of, um, kind of an obvious choice of who would take this lead. Right. I think. Um, and so, be, you know, they were looking at the disparities too, because like I said, the African-American community had the disparities. And so Native Americans are not too far lagging behind us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because, um, Portland is heavily populated with Latinas, that was the next target group as well. So mm. that's kind of why we decided to have that. Um, I, like I said, I have been in the doula world since 2014. There's a lot of doulas that are, I mean, Portland is saturated with doulas. Mm. <laughs> um, it, it's heavily saturated with doulas. I mean, this is a great place to birth for a child. I mean, I think we got a B on the report card, of one of the best places to have a baby and in Portland. It was like a B, but if you look at communities of color, that's not always the case mm-hmm. and so um so yeah, so I, I mean, I'm always around a lot of doulas and i and I felt like that um you know that was the next piece that was needed is to be able to teach doulas business skills so they could have their own business because a lot right. of me you know that just i mean that's pretty much what it is anyway and and so that's kind of how it started and so um, they wanted to invest in that, and so that's exactly what they did. And they, you know, told me to kind of mobilize duels of color that I knew, had them apply, um, went through interviews, and then you know, we have um, we're supposed to have twenty finished in this dual business class. So I'm right now. I'm working with sixteen of those um, in the class that we have now. Um, God, that's then, so amazing. Uh, yeah, that's
0: insane. Are they all local? Uh huh.
2: Every yeah, oh, wow. it could be within the tri-county area because. Oh, it's great. Healthcare. Okay. Oh, right.
0: Right. Right.
1: And then, so how do families find you? It, it, like how have you, cause you're such a powerhouse. I mean, you've gotten the word out, <laughs> but, but how do, how do families know that they need a doula or know that they might want a doula?
2: Well, um, the Black Parent Initiative still has their Sacred Roots Doula program, so that's still operating. So they can, um, they're open to getting referrals. So, I mean, pretty much everyone in the state of Oregon knows about the Black Parent Initiative and the Sacred Roots Student program. Um, They know, I mean, they can always, you know, go to the Oregon Doula Association. They can go to Doula, Um, I think it's Doula doula Match or something like that. So, yeah, that's kind of how they can find, like I said, most of my work, like I have done direct doula, I've done a lot of, a lot of births, but right now my, I think my role has been more or less to provide other opportunities for other doulas Mm. um, and provide kind of a platform for dialogue and discussion for diversity, Mm. um, more of a leadership position. Um, So I haven't had a birth in over a year, honestly. Okay.
0: Mm. Yeah. How common like are doulas in in the black community as far as like being utilized? Is it something that's pretty accepted? I mean, I know that like there's tons of doulas that I have come across in Portland, but no, no black doulas. How, how is it like to, in the black community? Are people like, oh, yeah, doula, I know what that is. I'm totally into that.
2: Absolutely. Great. And because we're in Portland. Right. I think because we're in Portland and people know what you'll, like, they're promoting. There's a lot of, Multnomah County has a lot of efforts where they're promoting lactation. They're promoting, right. they're promoting all that stuff. So it's not as uncommon to know. Most people do know, I think, cool. what it is. Um, um, I think the challenge is is to get folks to utilize doulas postpartum. But mm. I, I think getting a doula early on in their pregnancy making sure somebody's there to support them through their prenatal care and then actually be there for the labor. But I think the biggest struggle that I've seen over the years has been uh, getting the African-American community to understand the need for for uh, postpartum care, mm-hmm.
3: um,
2: and I think because we have been socialized to believe that, as particularly as if we're talking about women, that we, if we ask uh, for a doula, we're we're demonstrating some sort of weakness. Mm-hmm. And so there's this kind of strong superwoman syndrome that mm-hmm. I seen with African American women, and so. You know, so it's been a lot of education and coaching and understanding now, that's when you really do need us. That's yeah. when you need us to come in and help support you. especially if you're a single mom, you have other kids, and maybe if you've had a cesarean and you live on the third floor and you have to get groceries, like those when you need that's when like a post that's what a postpartum doula can do. A lot of postpartum doulas, they prepare meals, um, they can help use some sibling stuff, you know, they can do a lot of a variety of different things. Um mm-hmm. So that's pretty much what a community-based doula does. They do a lot of um, they wear a lot of hats uh, yeah. to be able to support these families. So yeah, I do think it's well received in the Black community over the last, I would say, last six years. It has been kind of a common name in mm. the households.
0: Yeah, that's great.
1: And Kimberly, are you are you doing any tracking? Because it sounded like you alluded to this, but. Um, research or maybe health share of Oregon is doing this research on outcomes of, you know, um, families that access doulas. Um, what are the health outcomes? What are the birth outcomes? Um, is that getting
2: tracked and recorded? Uh, that's one of the things and they're still tracking that at the black parent initiative under the sacred roots doula program. And so, yeah, they're tracking, um, you know, access to doulas, um, you know, How many do? How many you know? How has having a doula impacted their um, reducing cesarean rates? All that, all they've documented. Amazing,
1: yeah, amazing.
2: They're they're documenting that, and like right now, for what I'm documenting, considering that I have a you know, individual contract with HealthShare, is documenting kind of what are some of the challenges, some of the barriers um, for doulas of color to even become a doula. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, not one of those issues were addressed because they paid for most of their tuition to attend the class. Um, so we're looking at what are some of the barriers to uh, diversify the workforce. That's what we're looking at now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that there's, you know, opportunities. Well, right now, you know, because of COVID, we're not, none of the duels are in the hospital. Uh, but they're providing virtual support. So, I mean, there's a lot of research out there that shows the benefits, not just specifically to communities of color, but the benefits of a doula. I mean, the benefit that a doula helps families, it reduces the likelihood that you're probably going to have a cesarean, you're going to have a satisfactory birth, you're probably going to most likely breastfeed if you can. I mean, it just, it just, like I said, it provides emotional support. And, that, and what other time right. does time need emotional support when you're in labor? Right, 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 right. right.
0: I mean, this is like when we moved. To, I, I I generally knew what a doula was before we moved um, to Portland, but like we landed here, of course, and there was like a doula. I felt like on every block in our neighborhood, <laughs> right, right, right. And yeah. and I heard more about it, and I was like, oh my god! First of all, it's like a blend of like an angel and like a like it's like <laughs>
1: a family member, yeah. A... <laughs> but
0: like the like the awesome like I don't know aunt who like you know helps totally. out with everything and just like sorts yeah. out the family. I mean it's an amazing thing that like we've definitely talked about it when when we um when like, when Corinne gets pregnant like yeah. we'd love to have someone just there to support.
2: Yeah it sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah I become you know honorary aunties to a lot yeah. of them. <laughs> I still have a family right now in Tacoma and I was their doula for both of their daughters um and they're 4 and 3 now. Okay. And so yeah, I mean, you know, you just I become part of the family, honestly. Mm. Yeah. sure.
0: Wow. That's great. Have you so and then um in your um in your practice working with kiddos as a um as a mental health counselor, is it are so are you are you working virtually with with kiddos right now?
2: Yes, I yeah. am. Yeah.
0: And how how is that? I mean, with all the I mean, with everything that's going on, I mean, our world is, I mean, COVID plus You know, everything that's happening with George Floyd and the protests. And I mean, just this, I, there's this revolutionary energy around the, the, you know, around the world right now. And I feel like it's, I would feel like for a kiddo, it'd be so much to take in. So how, how are things with, with the kids that you're working with?
2: Well, I mean, initially it was challenging for us as professionals to even yeah. engage in that type of therapy because that's not ideal, um, especially when you're working with little kids. And I like to work, do a lot of play therapy, a lot of sanitary therapy, that kind of stuff with the little kids. Um, but I think now that we're like, what, a billion days in <laughs> COVID? <laughs> feels Something like that, give or take. <laughs> it's gotten easier. Um and so you know now to do virtual video sessions has become the norm and so the kids have gotten used to it so they're you know i just get creative i change my background you know i'll bring props like i'll do different things cool challenging is with the teenagers they don't Mm. want to do it like that and so um they just think it's awkward to look at their face on a on video Mm. so you know because they're so self-conscious as teenagers so
0: (laughs) well i'm I'm a 39 year old man, and every Zoom call that I'm on or Facetime or whatever, I'm staring at myself like, "God, is my beard that gray?"
2: Yeah, Yeah, it does. Super focus on everything. (laughs) (laughs) Totally.
1: Um. Well, Kimberly, I, I I can't tell you how appreciative I am um of you to to take some time and talk to us. Um. I just think you're really incredible and such a fucking force of nature. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I just really appreciate you um, helping to educate us and educate our listeners. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: And I just think, I mean, it's it just seems like the work that you're doing is so amazing. And it's, it's been horrifying to learn about so many of the health disparities um, with the COVID and then with, with, with birth Um, with birth rates in the in the black community and it's just like i don't you know it was one of those facts that i feel like was hiding in plain sight um for a lot of people and a lot of white people for sure can you go through some of the groups that you that you talked about and like if there's a way to kind of learn more about them support them if they need support um and just kind of talk a little bit about that
2: you mean like like support them
0: (laughs) Like BP, oh, it's a like Black Parent Initiative and some of the groups that you're working with. I mean, I would love to just for people to be able to anybody that's listening that might want to access these resources, but then also people like you know that just want to shout them out or or you know give them any support that they can.
2: Okay, yes, um, there's a Black Parent Initiative. They offer um, culture specific um, parent education. They also offer dual services. Cool. Um, they're also in the schools. Um, I also um, work with the self enhancement. SEI, so I'm also a supervisor over there. I provide um, uh, clinical supervision to their teams. Um, so I would definitely highly recommend that. They primarily work with teenagers, but they have a variety of community-based services. Um, let's see, I also work at Albina Early Head Start. So they offer um, not culture-specific services, but uh, parent education services to really support kids in um, Early Head Start, Head Start, and then also preparing them for kindergarten. Um, So those are the main three culture-specific organizations that I've worked, you know, that I currently work in. Um, And so that I would definitely say if you want, if you're interested or you know someone that would like to receive culture-specific parent education or any type of services, I would say seek those out. Fantastic.
1: That's amazing. Um, Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, You are a gem, Kimberly.
2: Thank you for having me. I appreciate this.
0: Yeah, we'll have to. When, when, when it's hugging time, I'd love to meet you and, and hug you. <laughs> uh, before that, we should meet six feet apart in, in your, uh, the office that you share with my wife. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, that would be good. I would love that. I like over. Yeah. All right. Well, have
1: a fantastic rest of your evening. Um, yeah, we appreciate you. Yeah, okay. It was
0: wonderful <laughs> to have you on the show, and uh, thanks for being who you are.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Thank
0: you. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye bye. <laughs> and of course as happens sometimes our conversation continued after we ended recording so here is where we picked up our like you know she'd been going to the protests and she was like god i'm just amazed that there's so many people out being that the city is like 80 plus percent white and i was like yeah you know the thing about portland is it's super white but everybody that's here is like down for a protest down for civil you know to speak out about social issues all the things but there is a little bit of an interesting moment that happens like you're saying where you're like trying to have a real conversation with people but people kind of just go like oh yeah yep cool yeah you're right, right, um, right. and they'll defer to someone especially people of color and i think it's a wonderful thing but it also kind of stops the conversation a little bit
3: right right yeah
0: it's like we got to be able to hash this out like have a real conversation like oregon has a troubled past. I mean, Oregon is like in the Northwest in general, it's like a very historically racist place and people aren't really willing to talk about that. They're like, Oh, I've got my black lives matter sign out in front of my house. So like I've, I've done the work. Right.
2: Yeah. Right. And I think, right. I mean, I think it's called Portland nice and passive aggressive. (laughs) Yes. Yes. um, Yeah. I've noticed like now, because like it's a different, it's a different conversation right now. And so I know in the different um, circles that I'm in um, and I, t- I forgot about that. I forgot to say it. So anyway, so you I'm still, I'm still recording.
1: So if we get something awesome, yeah,
2: you then <laughs> yeah. you know how I have my two teams in Denver, right? So I have yes. The two zoom teams in Denver and they're all white and they're speech therapists and a mental health therapist. So um, when I went to um, Denver a couple of years ago, I usually go to the uh, zero to three, uh, infant mental health conference. And so mm-hmm. I, I, ten- I went there. And so they had a conference. It was supposed to be around um diversity and equity initiatives and stuff like that. And and it wasn't. And so I just happened to speak up and from there I got contracts. And so yeah. I was just like just being myself and, and my <laughs> friend Sarah. She's like Kim I would love for you to um be um our cons- consultant um so we can talk about race equity and culture. So I meet with, you know, two of those. T- I got one contract and I got another one. And so we've been talking about that and, you know, and how really top unpacking what it means to have white privilege, what it means mm. to do with racism and how to engage in anti-racist, anti-oppressive practices. Mm. Um, so I kind of facilitate on Zoom with 13 speech therapists that are white in Denver and then I have 14 mental health therapists also. And so we've been like really unpacking stuff. So it's really been like I've facilitated the conversation and you know, here in Oregon and we've just really talked about stuff and people been reading books. Um, I know that book, me and white supremacy is so bad. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah, totally. yeah. So, you know, I've had conversations, people have cried. I've been very direct. Like, you know, you got to do your work.
3: Like yes. people, you got
2: to do your work. Like we've been doing this for a long time. We've been discriminated against and racism is a real thing. Mm. And, um, that was one of the things that I did um, on Monday, Corinne. Is I mobilized because I am the vice president of the Portland Duo Association. So I, uh, the board, I kind of just talked to our board and I said, you know, let's have a conversation. Let's have a community meeting, a Zoom meeting, and so um, I facilitated the meeting. It was set up for kind of a Black Lives Matter kind of initiative, but really mm. hands-on and what we're going to do as an organization. Mm. And so I was able to center Black voices
3: mm.
2: and not white center. So mm. we don't want to hear all the white guilt, all the crying, all that. We don't want to hear none of that. We want to You all the black duels to talk about what their experience has been, you know, because a lot of us have children. I mean, I have a 24-year-old son and he's afraid to go out of the house. Yes. So, you know, have to deal with that. And um, having to explain, you know, the George Floyd incident to my 15-year-old daughter and she's going to protest. And so, you mm. know, kind of uh, explaining to other duels, particularly doulas of, of that are white, that what we have, we're already dealing with difficult clients because of you know all the stuff I talked about with the disparities but then we have our own families and we're also subject to the same things that our families are being subjected to right. so I just kind of couch it under you know racism is a public health issue COVID-19 is a public health issue but it disproportionately affects brown and black people on both mm-hmm. sides mm-hmm. and so let's kind of have a dialogue so we're having so there's so I, I'm I'm inspired because I do feel like that Portland nice kind of passive aggressive stuff is being broken up mm-hmm. and there are some real people out here white folks that are actually challenging their shit yes like, yes shit. Yeah. and it's like and I'm like not like protected you know and that's been hard for me because people have been attacking folks and be like oh no I'm like no let you know and I'm like no let me rescue you they are like no Kim this is our stuff we haven't been inclusive we do have white privilege and we do demonstrate white fragility and I'm like okay well, unpack your shit okay, okay. <laughs> yes. you know, like, okay, I'm trying to help, but they're like, no. like, I think there's two different kind of conversations going on. You have the Black community that's really trying to heal and repair, yeah. and it's, 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 it's exhausting to see that now your humanity is valued, and it hasn't been historically, so I think... Mm. You know, I'm in two different conversations with my own community where I'll get on, you know, with SCI or or Albina and they're struggling just to make it through the day just to show up at work. And then you have, you know, some of the other teams that I have that are, you know, they're just, they're not struggling like that. Um, They're not struggling with COVID either. I mean, they're just, they're just, especially in Denver, they're really ready to go back to work. Like They're really like, Let's, I just want to go back to work. Which I do, too. I mean, I, I do, too. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I actually, I've been working. I haven't stopped working, so that hasn't been an issue. So there's privilege with me as well, because I've had the privilege where I can, you know, do all my jobs from home.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: everybody's not fortunate to be able to do that. But, mm-hmm. so yeah, so there's been a lot. Of, I think I'm more inspired. I feel like there are more genuine conversations, and I have been to a couple of the protests, and I do like feel like the white folks that are down there with their signs and all that. I feel like they're genuine. I think they're, they're starting to get it. Like, I think there's some people that are just doing it just because it's trendy and mm-hmm. it's a cool thing to do. And mm-hmm. I think there are folks that I've talked to that are really, they're unpacking their stuff. And yeah. so, yeah. yeah, they really are. I mean, they're really talking about stuff or they're actually acknowledging things mm-hmm. that, that, that are embarrassing that they do not want to talk about, especially with their family members. They're arguing with their family members stuff is coming up and just like i've been saying to people i say you know a racist is not somebody lurking in the bushes it's it's uncle john it's uncle bob they're at the barbecue they're at the family reunion There, are that's the right people like we don't we know these people stop so like it's unpacked this we know these people yeah and so those yeah. conversations like i said i've had a lot of crying with people no arguing though mostly heartbroken on both sides mm. uh, all communities just really Devastated because now they're awakened to what's really been going on, and it's just mm. unfortunate that mm. it took for us to watch somebody get killed in eight minutes and forty six seconds. Yeah. So, yeah. So that I mean, for me, I'm inspired. Like I said, I've I mean, I had a couple. I took a couple of days off because I just was numb because I watched the video. Mm. So I was like, I probably shouldn't watch it. But
0: I, 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 I just watched it the other. Day. I had been not watched decided not to watch it, and then I. I think well, I actually I watched Dave Chappelle's special that he just put yeah. out recently and I was like you know what I think I have to watch it and so I did and oof boy I mean it's yeah. that it, was the- it's just so long Yeah it's no. such a long amount of time for yeah. someone to be I don't know That's smug fuck it's it's yeah. I, can't, I can't believe yeah. it
2: That's yeah. what I'm saying like I, that's what yeah that was that was it so I took two days off and I told my the director my supervisor I said I'm calling off black today I'm calling off black. <laughs> 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 and they actually and you know what's so funny about it is that they actually created a forty hour like additional sick time. They didn't call it that, call it why black because I'm the only black therapist in the whole place. But they they called it like, okay, so we already had additional sick time under COVID, you know, mm-hmm. your kids you know, because parents have childcare, like if you're if you're sick or something like that. But they actually said, you know, we know this is a difficult time. And just, you know, sick time doesn't always have to mean medical. It could be mental health.
3: Mm-hmm. Because
2: um, I feel like most African-Americans are suffering from PTSD. Mm. You're traumatic to relive. I know I relive, that's why I didn't go to work because I, I kept on seeing that video on my head. Mm-hmm. And so I was playing myself out. Um, and so for me, I just had to check out and I just said take off my black because I couldn't do it. But mm-hmm. I came back, you know, that's why I have all these new clients now because the organization that I work for, they, the insurance company is putting pressure on them to their patients that are African-American, one of African-American therapist, and I happen to be the only one. Wow. So I've gotten three new referral, referrals last week alone.
1: Wow. Kimberly, who who holds space for you? Like, Because you – I just listened to – To how much you create, and how um, how many people you you know both inspire and are you know a a shoulder to cry on, and yeah, you know, I know that like okay, so you took a couple mental health days, but but like, what do you? Who takes care of you?
2: Well, I mean, I know, I mean, just like I, you know, tell people to, to do self-care, I, I, I practice what I preach. Yeah, okay. I mean, I mean, this last three months has been hard because I'm used to getting monthly massages and I haven't mm. been I'm like really in need of one, um, but I have really good friends. I mean, I have a, like my friend, she's in Denver. I mean, when she's taking her walk around seven o'clock, you know, there's our district here in Denver, we talk. Mm. Um, I have a couple of friends that are therapists here in in Beaverton that I talk to. I drink, a lot of chai tea. <laughs> I drink a lot of chai tea, I think if somebody squeezed my blood, it would be chai come out.
0: <laughs> Delicious. That's another yeah. business.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I feel like for me to help other people helps me, If that sounds its mm. kind of weird because I have to carry it. I have to carry what they're sharing with me. Um, but that was, that was so interesting. That was one of the things when I did the South African zoo, doula training, they named me in Zule. And that mm. was for a person that carries that vehicle and a vessel for people's troubles. Wow. And so it really spoke to me. I mean, I was like, yeah, that's what I do. And it doesn't, I mean, I, just, I don't really need a lot of, I don't need a lot of sleep. I've just never been a person needing a lot of sleep. Um, but I do like, there are times where I need to tap out and I'll go to the you know the coast or, Um, things like that. So, but I have good friends and a lot of my friends, like one of my really good friends, Raven, she um, is a herbalist. And so last week she brought over some tinctures. So she had a heartache and um, courage tincture that I took, also some COVID-19 support stuff. So I just have really good friends and, you know, I'm just, I'm just blessed to be able to to, to have, and have a strong mom you know so i've got this where i've kind of come from This kind of workaholic type take care of yourself every now and then kind of a i just have been raised my daughter's the same way she's mm. the same way um i don't know if she's in her blood wow. where's
0: where's where your son
2: my son is here
0: oh he is here good yeah. oh, that's cool yeah yeah, it's that's that's one of the things that I feel like uh, the my, my so I'm from Colorado. We moved here from Colorado. My my family's still in Colorado, and and Corinne's family's in New York. And um, I think that's been the hardest part of all of this. Is like I just you know I do like I love my family. I talk to them a ton, but I you know not being able to be around them is my love language is touch. So yeah. I need some hugs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, mine too. Mine is physical touch and quality
2: time. So you mm. can imagine. Right, He's taking his toll um, hey. <laughs> yeah but yeah i get it my my mom is here she moved here she moved here before we moved here so she moved here mm. and my kids are here um my fiance's in nigeria i'm trying to get him over here um uh, because of covid we've got to delay. it <laughs> so.
1: oh
2: i had no idea your fiance's in nigeria he lives in Nigeria. He's from Nigeria. Uh, we've been oh. together for two years. We're supposed to get married on December the 31st of this oh. year. It doesn't look like it's gonna happen. Um, so yeah. So that's been I've been dealing with that. Um, wow. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh,
1: this was so
0: fun. Yeah, it's really fun.
1: And um, yeah, you're you're awesome. We want to have you, you over. It.
0: You should come over and drink chai tea with us. I know.
1: That. Yeah. Someday.
0: What an amazing conversation with Kimberly. We love her. We learned so much from her. Hope you guys did too. Make sure to check out the show notes this week. We've got links to uh, BPI, the Black Parent Initiative, SEI, which is Self-Enhancement Incorporated, and then the Albina Early Head Start Program, uh, all of which Kimberly works with. Uh, they're all accepting donations. These are all groups that are working with the black communities and with with kiddos um, to make sure that they get all the best support that they can. If you live in Portland, great. If you don't live in Portland, find the communities and the groups in, in your community that are doing the good work. Talk to you guys soon. See you next week. Bye-bye.